This isn't just beer. This is beer longing. Every month we're talking about beer, beer culture, our adventures and discussing the topics that are reverberating around the beer community. This is Belonging. I'm Steve and as always I'm joined by my co-hosts Mark and Rob. Welcome guys, how are you doing? (laughs) Come on, we've only done six episodes now. You you know that's where you come in. Every single month that I answer Rob talks over me, so (laughs) not this month I give him the chance. So, I'm doing very well, thanks, Steve. Yeah, I, I, I felt a little bit tired earlier, but uh, I am raring to go and drink these beers and have a nice chat with you too. That's exactly how we're all feeling. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. And good evening, everyone. <laughs> Let's just jump straight into the beers then. Shells, shells, First part of the show, as, as listeners should know by now, with the beers that we send to each other. The, the, the title of this segment is still dubious because sometimes some of us forget what the actual segments are. But let's um, <laughs> let's 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 dive in to what we've sent each other this month. I think I'm going to start because I've just taken a sip of the very, very delicious beer that that, that Rob sent to me. And it's delightful. Rob, um, tell our listeners what you sent to me while I enjoy some more of it, please. Uh, you are drinking Get the Diamond from Burnt Mill, who are a terrific brewery. From what they're oh, from, I've had from... that is a terrific beer. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> and I had it before we recorded as well. And I also think it's a terrific beer. So, uh, obviously, Burnt Mill. Well, are they from Suffolk? Is it Suffolk there? Bias? They are just in Suffolk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're they're a brewery that I know you like, and they just brew pretty much any style well, and they. They pretty much brew sensible beers, nothing too daft, but you always know it's going to be good. And this beer is, it's not only a West Coast IPA, which uh, as we discussed in the last show, that is all would all be a desert island beer. It is also a Citra West Coast IPA. And I know, I know you're a big fan of the Citra hop, Steve, so I thought it had your name written all over it. Yeah, it has, and it is absolutely um, delicious. It's it's like proper, proper bitter, and 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 like really kind of cutting, and and very very dry on 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 the finish as well. And I I really love the description that they've put on the on the can as well for this. So they've said uh, we love experiment experimenting with single hopped West Coast IPAs, and get the diamond is the long awaited one hundred percent Citra IPA. We recognise Citra as the queen of hops, given a multitude of delicious citrus and tropical fruit notes. It's just um, it's just incredible. Like like you say, Rob, Burnt Mill, in in my opinion, can do very very little wrong with with, with their brewing. They've got a fantastic team there. I, I would I would describe that as you'll, you'll like this, Steve, because it's a wrestling reference. But um, when I was looking a bit to send you, it's kind of like the whole uh, Vince McMahon gif, so where he's sitting on the chair and like he's like, okay, I'm interested, Bill, yeah. and then it's like, okay, West West Coast IPA starting to get look a little bit aroused at that point. 
And then a Citra West Coast IPA falls off his chair. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've got, I've got it, I've got it. Yeah, um, it is. It's everything. It's everything you could possibly want in for 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 a West Coast IPA lover, um, which we discovered we all were in in the last show. I think um, this is this is absolutely bang on. And and like I say, the the Citra hop is one that is 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 much lauded um for all the right reasons as as well if you look at all the beers that 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 use citra either as the only hop or as the dominant hop they they're all great beers but the way they've used this 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 hop in this beer it's it's cracking um thank you rob Re- really but, really burt mill do some of the best west coast ipas in the country yeah. i think it's, i think potentially what even makes me forget about them in the conversation sometimes is the perhaps lack of a core range uh, they've just released their latest iteration of great bitter lake which is a double west coast ipa that they usually release annually oh oh it's so good and it's so good every year and i, I mean maybe it's themselves maybe they, maybe they need to build up some sort of social media hype because i, I feel yeah. like it's one of those things that could be a um an, an actual annual event whereas they just silently just like right we've done a great bit of lake again and then yeah. bitter lake even there five and a half percent west coast mm. they do a big thaw with lost and grounded but the other thing about burt mill is that one of the few, few breweries that do new england styles so well that i actually enjoy them as well yeah they're just quietly one of the best certainly if it came to ipa across the entire board top five in the entire country and as i say even i forget about them sometimes even though i know they're that good they just quietly go about their business just being really good don't they so that they don't pull any stunt beers out there's not really any big events so it's kind of you you can kind of almost forget about them and then you'll just see a can on the shelf you crack that open and you think why aren't more people talking about burnt milk? And I don't think this the, is the, the most first beautiful time we've cans said as well. The, the, they are, like, yeah. the, the most beautiful branding as well. Like everything is right about burnt milk. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I, I, I've always struggled to understand how they don't get more hype. They, they, they so should. I mean, you, you say that they have a look of lack of core range, but obviously Pintle is, is yeah, one of their great, core beers. Green Path as well, which is and, another citrus pale ale. And those, those beers are incredible. You find those on tap anywhere and they're just so good oh yeah i just i just stay on one of them to be fair even if there's a you'd have to be a pretty good option for me to uh not just carry on drinking one of those beers yeah. instead yeah Stop I mean, even, even the high hopes is probably the to use the phrase supermarket beer but it's probably the best supermarket beer that was available fair enough i've actually looked i don't know if it's still available in mns but for the good number of years that it was and if it still is it was the best supermarket beer available, so and didn't feel didn't feel like it compromised on quality to be in there. Yeah, I I think it was on an earlier show actually. I I had Green Path and I got that from just the local Morrison's, so it's pretty good to be able to just pick something of that quality up off off the shelves on the way home from work or whatever. And I had a beer of theirs on cask recently, which has been making its rounds up certainly around the northwest, and I forget what it was called, but. It was, as you can imagine, 
one of those where I just sat down and was with a group of mates and where we were on a bit of a pub crawl and I was like, nope, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> not until we've drank all of this beer. <laughs> so yes, Burt Mill, very, very good brewery. Yeah, I think we can sit here and just <laughs> sing their praises all night. But uh, rather than doing that, I will uh, talk about what Mark has sent to me. Yeah. So this is a, let's have a go at pronouncing it. I think Pishacha. From Tartarus Beers, they're up in Sheffield, are they? And this Leeds. is a, Leeds. Uh, sorry, sorry, uh, Leeds. I love you, Leeds. Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I said that. No, I'm very much looking forward to going to Leeds next this month, actually. But uh, yeah, Pishacha Tartarus Beers, who I've just uh, found out are in Leeds and not Sheffield. <laughs> this is their uh, export India porter. It's a six point eight percent, and it's nicely hopped with some lovely American hops in that. What's it got? Chinook, Cascade, and Simcoe. So you know it's good. You, you know it's good. And apparently, the name Pishacha is a it's a flesh eating demon in Buddhist and Hindu religion. And there's a pretty interesting label on this little three thirty bottle. Well, and I've just realised I haven't actually tried the beer yet, so I'm just going to do that, and then maybe Mark has something to say about the beer too. Well, I was going to say Tataris is the... Is it the hell area where Hades controls or something? So they're like the d- demonic, um, yeah, old-worldly religious uh, thing. All the beers I've had from them recently have been in 440ml cans as well. For some reason, this is in a 330ml bottle. As, yeah. if it's, it, as if it's some kind of special barrel age thing, but it is just an India porter, and it's abs- I, well, I thought it was absolutely superb. So I tell, I tell you what, it, it is really good, and it's just it's quite dry and roasty. It's like slightly chocolatey, quite uh, nutty, even I would say. And then you've just got those those three bad boy hops, the Simcoe and the <laughs> Cascade and and Chinook, and it is it's. It's quite bitter actually, because the malt there's not loads of sweetness coming from that. Um, and then just with those three hops with the the pine in this and slight, slight like citrus sort of character. Uh, it's just it's really good. And I thought I thought it was really good. I mean, oh, there were India porters like Colonel, obviously, and Elusive have made some superb versions of the style over the years, and I just thought that was really quite far up there. I think they're a brewery really coming on. I think they're in, and I might have this completely wrong, but I'll say it out loud anyway. I think they're in the space that North Bruco originally yeah. occupied. Yeah, that rings on. Now you say that, I'm, I'm, well, I'm even more sorry for getting the, the term wrong. So, Mark, what, is, uh, what has Steve sent you? Uh, Steve has sent me a beer from Wildcard Brewery, which is a collaboration with the Crafty Beer Girls group and Hop Hideout, which is from Sheffield. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it is a chocolate maple and pecan stout, 6.9%, and it's called I Am The Queen. Uh, Loads of maple on the nose, which I'm absolutely fine with. I like i don't mind natural sweetness in my stouts at all um and yeah it absolutely delivers because it tastes a lot like 
maple syrup. It tastes a lot like pecan nuts. And it's very, very chocolatey as well. It's uh what I, I was what I was thinking is what is it lacking? And what is lacking is actually its strength, is that it's still the chocolatey bit is at the end. It's maple and pecan nuts, definitely. But then, so which is quite you know sweet and nutty as you would expect. But it's quite chocolatey on the finish, as a stout should be. And I thought, why is that unusual? And it's because that style chocolate pecan nut maple stout would always be um, milk stout, or certainly have lactose in it mm. now. If I had this, and I was thinking. Why does this not taste like I imagined it would be? And it's because, as far as I'm aware, because I can't taste any, and it's certainly not listed on the ingredients, it's not a, a, a lactose, it's not a milk stout, so it's not overtly sweet. The finish actually still tastes like a stout. And I've got so used to it always tasting like a milk stout on the end that I thought, this is... So it's not actually something it's. Well, it is something that is lacking, but it's something that it's lacking in a good way. It's like, oh, it tastes like a stout on the end. Thank for that. So that's um, that's really unusual, isn't it? To 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 find a, a a stout with with the ingredients that you've listed that is quite sweet forward w- without lactose these days. These days, true, that's, true. that's exactly the point. These, that these days, days. Yeah. we we used to get excited by flavored stouts because they were. Uh, you know, experimenting with the style which naturally lends itself to some of those flavours that are in this beer. But they didn't have to put the lactose and make it overly sweet, and now it's become mm-hmm. like a damning thing about it. But this is, it's almost a nice throwback to something that you would have got really excited about in 2015. Like, yeah, pe- pecan nut and maple in a style. Wow, that's... <laughs> That's yeah. impressive. And then by 2018, we were like, yeah, but somebody's just going to make it into a milkshake stout and it's going to be freaking awful. <laughs> so it, it, it's Spot nice to be reminded that yeah. flavoured stouts can be still absolutely delicious. And this really is. Because the, the, the maple the maple's sweet enough. You don't need any added horrible sickly sweetness to it. Yeah, so, you know, I, I like a milk stout. And and I, I like a, a flavored stout, but you don't need to put it all in one, do you? It's just too much. What's mm. what's the um what's the body like on that, Mark? Is it syrupy at all? Or is it? Thick? You know, you you you've nailed it on the head. It's not thick in the way that maybe a, a milkshake kind of stout is, but because the syrup is quite prominent in it, it's still it's sticky. You know, that's it, nice it, though, isn't it? Yeah. Without without the Maple syrup, it could be thin, but you know, just thin in sort of like pottery style. Um, but it's sticky enough that it's yeah, lovely stuff. Sounds like a win all round for everyone. Yeah, good, good month, good month, good month. very yeah, good, yeah, very definitely. Good We've done well there. Yeah, while we're enjoying these beers, let's have a bit of a catch up about what we've been up to this month. Mark, what have you been up to, mate? Have you done anything out of the ordinary? I've done fuck all, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's genuinely been quite a quiet month, but I mean, in a nice way, I've gone to the the pub a lot and I've been to the match a couple of times. Um, 
which has been a bit of a slog because of the train situation. And I've not done anything out of the ordinary, but I've really quite enjoyed it. And at the same time, I've not had loads of things at home as well to write home about. Um, but in a, yeah, in a good way, I've, I've, I've really just enjoyed being back into the pub. What, what I would say is that what I keep seeing reported at the moment it, when people are talking about the pub situation is how busy slash unbusy they are. And I am finding that pubs are certainly no quieter than I would have expected them to be, you know, pre-pandemic, for example. Um, and any issues that, that I think, I think I'm, I'm stealing this line from Boak and Bailey's uh, blog recently, and I absolutely agree with it, is any issues that I find pubs are coming across in terms of numbers are nothing to do with the willingness of punters themselves. You know, I, I've been in my local and the beer selection's been a bit shit and people have just walked in and walked out. And that's the difference of people just being a case of, I've got, I've only, I, I need to be tight with my money, but I still want to come to the pub. So if I come in here and the selection's great, then I'm I'm still here. I'm still here to support you. I still want to be in the pub. I'll still do whatever. What I will not do is support a a poor choice. If you if you've got a disappointing beer choice, I'm just going home, and that's what I'm seeing more and more at the moment. And good. I hope I I hope it gives a couple of maybe complacent uh, landlords and stuff uh, uh, a bit of a kick up the backside, but. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not, it's been a month of just observing pubs and the way they're functioning at the moment, which I've absolutely enjoyed. Um, and just a quick word on some of the beers that I've had from home have once again fallen on from last year's. The best beers that I had were either smoked beers or beers from Elusive. Elusive again, two absolute banger. The best beers that I had in February were Janet's Brown, oh, American yeah. Brown Ale. And oh, what was the black IPA called? Was it Juxtapose? Did yes. Either yeah. of you have it? Oh, crikey, what a superb black IPA. Well, I haven't so, had that yet, but it's in my fridge, so I'm looking forward so to that. Good. So, so good. So el- elusive, yeah. knocking it out of the park again, as normal, and even more exciting things to come from them this year. So absolutely, once again, the best beers that I've already had this year have come from that flipping brewery that get too much praise as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> but at the same time, not enough. Uh, anyway, um, Steve, what have you been up to in Feb? A uh, few trips out, um, like much like yourself, couple couple of trips down the pub, local bottle shop, that sort of thing. Um, and then I, I did go to a, a small place called Nottingham um this this past weekend oh, as, as oh, we sounds nice. yes yes uh oh. to, to meet up with with rob for for some some beers and oh, and a few oh. others as well there was there's was, there's was quite a crowd of people um that that made the trek to to nottingham um and it was a lovely day out we had lots of very delicious pints of cask bitter in lots of very interesting public houses. Yep. And I did find myself in, in every place that we visited thinking, 
would Mark Johnson like this place? Is, the is answer this, was yes. Is, is this place pubby enough for Mark Johnson to sit here and just be happy in the corner? And 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 I think yeah, as as Rob said, the the answer was yes to, to that question. For most of them, I'm I'm really I'm really sorry you were unable to make it, mate. Yeah, yeah. I could have answered that myself if I was invited, Steve. But unfortunately, <laughs> I, I sure up. You were invited. <laughs> How many times have you been invited? I, I obviously missed you, Mark, because I did find myself texting you and just grassing on Steve uh, at one point. So yeah, t- yeah. tell me all about Neon Raptor, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Rob is is quite tall. And Rob's pace of walking is a little faster than mine. So there was a point where we actually lost him and, and, and we didn't know where he was going. I'd really and, like to find me. And and we um, <laughs> yeah. foolishly ended up following the, the, the guys from Men Behaving Badly who were there as well. They were there as well. They, oh, this is a fucking disgrace. Yeah, all, all three of them, mate. So I followed them and we ended up at the Neon Rats attack room. And all I'm going to say is it was a lovely, a lovely little taproom space. And I had a very delicious pint of black IPA in there. I would highly recommend the Neon Raptor taproom to anyone that's going to Nottingham. So I'll just give a little bit of background to the trip. So this was kind of a envisioned like last summer, the last time me and our listener Johnny Bearboy went on a nice little pub crawl around proper pubs in the Black Country. And we thought, Let's get to Nottingham. It's not too far away. It's a place that, like, we'd both, like, been to for, like, gigs or sport or whatever, but we'd never really been around the pub. So I thought, yeah, let's do that. So then I set about just asking a few people on, on Twitter where they're recommending and says, we want pubs, you want pubby pubs. Some people failed the assignment and sent us crafty places. Uh, but to be fair, what I'd say about Nottingham is there really is something to just please everyone. The the pubs we went in were fantastic. So we started off at the uh, the Barrel Drop, went to the Keen's Head. Uh, then we went to the King King Billy, which is where me and Johnny lost all of the group because they all went to Neon Raptor. And then the amount of pla- other places that were suggested as well, it's like there's just an absolute wealth of choice in Nottingham and all the places we went to, the beer was kept extremely well. There was a great choice of beer. Like these are just standard boozers, really. And then just the actual choice of beer was fantastic. Just so people have got plenty of advance notice, and so that everyone feels like they're invited, and everyone's <laughs> got the opportunity to be invited, and no one's going to get salty about not getting invited. Uh, we're bringing back not the Crimbo Crawl in december we're going to liverpool on the first and second of december as far as i'm aware all three of us will be there yes. i've booked a hotel but i'm officially going yeah rob steve and martin will all be there so. <laughs> mark this is your oh, official yeah. invite if you feel oh, as though you I'm need right, to be you know, really, invited yeah, yeah, to I'll things try make yeah. It, guys. yeah, yeah. Excellent. Oh, I, I, I do live near we, liverpool so. did we not have a discussion about where we were gonna go we, we had quite a discussion <laughs> but yeah we're gonna go to liverpool we're, we're obviously still finalizing details it is only march uh, but we just finalising wanted... details. Have we even got any details? No, no, absolutely not. 
But we just wanted to get a, a save the date out there. So yeah. Friday the 1st, Saturday the 2nd of, of December, we'll probably do Friday the 1st, we'll probably be in a single location having some wonderful beers with wonderful people, and then Saturday we'll take in some of the best pubs. <coughs> Neptune. Uh, yeah. <laughs> was that, yeah, it's, it's, that, it's that Neptune. Obvious, We're going it? to Neptune. <laughs> <laughs> I've not spoken to Neptune yet, but Julian Les, if you're listening, can we come and spend Friday night in your bar, please? Thank you very yeah. much. We, we, we'll just sit in the corner and drink all of your delicious beers. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and yeah, Saturday we'll just take in the town as as well. So we'll just have a look at some of the best uh, places that Liverpool has to offer. We're not going to do loads of places because no. sometimes less is more. Yeah, and we'd we'd love to see you. Um, there's a good chance that all three of us will actually be there. So yeah, for our second round of beers this month, for a change, we're all drinking the same beer, and there's there's a reason for 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 this, as 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 you'll hear shortly. But we're all drinking elusive brews. <laughs> there they are again. Um, mm. Brave noise, which is the West Coast Parallel at four point five percent. Now this was released um, probably a couple of weeks ago. Now to to, to quite some. Um, I'll use the word fanfare because uh, Elusive did make quite the noise about this beer and the reasons why they brewed it. There was a big launch at the Taproom. I think there was a few other venues that did launches as well. And we spoke in depth with this month's guest uh, about the Brave Noise movement. So we thought it would make sense to actually feature the beer on the show. Now, why we were going through that process I didn't realise the hops that Elusive used for this beer. And they've used Sabro and Talus, which are are two hops that I struggle with because of their flavour profile. And they're two hops that I wouldn't necessarily associate with a West Coast Palau. So I'm a, I, I had tried this beer before, Um but I'm going to try it again, and then 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 we'll talk about it. So just just want to say uh, cheers to you both on 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 this one while we uh, enjoy this. Cheers. What I would say about it is that I drank this the first time without looking at the hot profile. I I, I often don't on a lot of beers. If I'm honest, I just try to. <laughs> I either pick things out or I just go off flavour uh, just so it doesn't preempt any judgment that I have. And I remember drinking this at uh, the first time thinking, what a fantastic bitter West Coast pale ale. And the first person that sprang to mind was Steve, thinking he's going to absolutely love this beer because it's that lovely balance of juicy but bitter. But then I love the two hops in question. Um, how are you coping with them, Steve? Uh, this is the first beer containing Sabro that I've actually properly enjoyed. I don't know how they've that they've used these these two hops, but I'm not I'm not getting the characteristics that I normally get from from Sabro in in this beer. I am getting everything you talk about there, Mark. I'm getting the dryness. I'm getting the bitterness. It's 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 there's some juicy in the background it's it's just a really tasty beer and i, I would expect yes. i wouldn't expect anything less from elusive though I, yeah. I imagine that was kind of the point as well that we just let let's as, as another double finger to the world let's let's brew these beers that let's use these hops that are not 
often used in this kind of style of thing and show that they can be used in this style of beer. And I think they've done it fantastically well. What do you think, Rob? I um, I also didn't know what hops were in it when I bought it. And then I got the can and I did read the can. And I thought, oh, okay, Mosaic. I like Mosaic, although that is another one that a lot of people aren't so keen on. And then I saw Sabro and Talus and I thought, oh, okay. So in in the past, I haven't I've kind of avoided Sabro beers because I really didn't like the kind of coconutty thing that was coming out. Whereas I like coconut, but I don't want coconut in a pale ale. But I thought, you know what? I'm just going to try and knock that out of my mind and just drink it. And it is just a a really lovely beer. It's it's just easy drinking, but you're getting all that that piney bitterness that you'd expect from the West Coast style. But when you look at the hot profile, you just don't expect that. Also, obviously, elusive kind of know their way around these hops and are, are using them in the right sort of combination. I wouldn't... Uh, on, on the can, Mosaic is mentioned first, so perhaps that's like the the highest bit. So perhaps the Sabro can be used quite nicely when it's not overpowering. Also, also when it's using this style of beer, perhaps, because mm-hmm. you, you, you go back to what we were saying about Burt Mill beers earlier, and we had the all Citra West Coast IPA, but they also have the Citra Fog, which is, of course, the New England-style single Citra uh, IPA, which is super hazy and is obviously, as you would expect, but it's a completely different beer. So even though it's all single hop, and that's the thing that may you use hops in different ways. And so, so sometimes just having a single beer because the first Talos beer that I ever had was a California IPA from Siren, which was all Talos. And, and I remember Mark Dredge saying the same thing that it just tasted so much like pink grapefruit, which is obviously very, very bitter. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it tasted like. And so I always associated, and I think I've said it on this podcast before, I always associate Talos with a pink grapefruit flavor. So for them, for people then start comparing it to Sabro for me, I thought it couldn't be any further away from Sabro than I can imagine. But when it's used in certain beers, they're very, very similar. Um, so it's it's just one of those brewers know better than obviously we do. Yeah, the, the best way to get the best out of flavors of hops. So. I think we all agree that it is a, a really good beer. And uh, even more important is is the cause that it supports. Absolutely, yeah, and that's that, that's probably a good point uh, at which to bring in this month's guest as as well, because during this interview we do talk about the Brave Noise movement, and we're really pleased to be joined this month by Emmy Harrison West, who's a freelance journalist, and she chats to us about, as I say, about the Brave Noise movement uh, among a whole host of other things. Welcome to the show, Emmy. It's great to have you join us this month. Really looking forward to chatting to you. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. Let's uh, let's start off with the easy stuff then. Um, tell us a little bit about you, a little bit about your background, a little bit about your beer journey. Tell us tell us who you are. 
everything what do you want to know um so i'm emmy harrison west i'm a freelance journalist and a beer writer i guess i can say that now so it feels a bit weird saying that right about beer um but i've been a writer for as long as i can remember um and i became a freelance writer about two years ago when i kind of started diving into um my beer journey writing writing a wee bit more about beer and my first piece about beer was actually for metro um who i'm a columnist for at the minute and it was about being a woman and drinking beer and basically saying, I spent a thousand words saying that beer was not a man's drink and kind of based on my own experiences as a woman who drinks beer. Um, so kind of since then, I've really centered a lot of my work around being a woman in beer um, kind of speaking about underrepresented communities uh, and groups of people who are in the industry and who don't tend to get that platform, um, whether that's about um, people who have experienced sexism in the industry, like sexism at beer festivals, misogyny in the beer industry in general. Um, I'm here to talk and I'm here to represent them. Um, but otherwise, in my freelance writing, I kind of write a lot of women's lifestyle stuff, a lot of stuff about misogyny, sexism, uh, human rights, trans rights, a bit of everything, really. So beer kind of fits in nicely because it's a way to write about something that I love and drink it at the same time. Hopefully that answers your question. I think that's a very comprehensive answer. It's there's lots, lots to unpick okay. in in, yes. in in there. Is isn't absolutely, there? absolutely. <laughs> it's it's always a bit. I'll talk about yourself, isn't it? Because I guess sometimes as women, you're kind of told, oh, no, don't don't take up too much space, don't talk about yourself too much. But I really think you need, we need to celebrate that. We really need to embrace kind of talking about who we are and what we love. And for me, that just so happens to be beer. So before before beer. Um, you were what, what were the sorts of things you were writing about be, before you sort of like decided you wanted to specialize in, in in beer? Yeah, definitely. So I originally started my journalism journey, I guess, at university when I was a music editor of my student magazine. Um, reviewed lots of really terrible gigs, um, some great albums, got to some very exciting concerts and festivals, met some great artists. And then I went into real life women's magazines. So kind of your take a break style magazines, like my dog saved my life and those types of magazines. So I've spoken to a lot of very interesting people um, over the last few years, kind of made my way up to editor of a few women's magazines. And then I just decided that I was kind of sick of it. Um, felt a bit, felt a bit trapped. Um, wanted to do a wee bit more of my life, um, a little bit more in terms of feminism and women's rights and human rights in general and then I just quit in the middle of the pandemic and then started writing more about women's lifestyle and then eventually ended up with a column for Betro who I still write for now so yeah it's been a, a wee bit of a journey um but then beer kind of faded in about maybe a year ago a year or so ago and in terms of your journey in beer I mean we'll obviously touch on those kind of topics of the beer world but in terms of your journey in beer how did how how did that start? When did you when did you have epiphany and just like, well, this is obviously the best drink in the world. Um, where, where did that start for you? I hate to say it, but it was actually my husband. Um, so the only thing I can credit to a man, um, <laughs> not for my amazing dad raising me, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so I always thought that women shouldn't have drank beer. Um, I always thought it was kind of big ones like Guinness and Stella and Colin, and I just didn't like them. It kind of made me feel like I was on a girl's holiday at 17 in Benidorm somewhere. And I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy the way it made me feel. I didn't enjoy the way it tasted. So I always drank red wine, white wine, gin, um, vodka, anything really. Um, but it was 
probably when I met my husband about eight years ago now that he was like come on you've got to start why don't you try this why don't you try the sour beer this beer that tastes like oranges this beer that tastes like chocolate and coffee and I was thinking no that's not surely that's not what it tastes like um but yeah he got me into it started going to way more pubs um started to realize that I actually really enjoyed it but I, I didn't see people in pubs and in tap rooms and in beer spaces didn't see people that looked like me and I was kind of looking online and looking on Twitter and then I found these people on Instagram um, after I set up my beer Instagram page, Beer Woman. And I found this like female audience there and it's kind of how I got into the kind of writing that I do now. So it's been, it's been a bit of a journey. So in terms of the your experience at beer festivals, when was your first one and how was that? And how was that then transgressed into your experience that you've written about a few times at other beer festivals? been to a few beer festivals over the years um perhaps one of the first ones i went to was bigfoot festival um when was that that was back in 2022 i imagine or 2021 um it was amazing it was very it was very welcoming there was lots of women there, there was lots of families there um and i had a really great experience there actually and i really enjoyed it and i thought you know what i'm i feel really comfortable here i feel really confident and then i started going to perhaps more upmarket beer festivals um like brew london um kind of uh, london craft beer festival and all of that but it was when i was in an environment like that when there was a lot of kind of i guess masculine energy um and it had been kind of like day drinking festivals i started to feel a bit more uncomfortable eat like with or without my husband um there were some times where men were quite leery like watch me and like look me up and down and comment on my hair, comment on my outfits. I had someone tell me I was too pretty to drink beer. Um, people insinuate that I only drink beer to try and have sexual encounters with people um, or to try and make like a conversation starter. Um, unfortunately, one of, I guess, the most traumatic situations for me as a woman was, I guess, going to Cameras Great British Beer Festival last year. I went to the trade day and I went for the first time. I was really excited to be invited as press as a beer writer. I was doing well on my Instagram page. I was getting attention in national press, um, writing like quite interesting features um, as a woman in beer in general. But unfortunately, it kind of didn't feel very welcoming at all. Um, so it took me a long time to get served at the bar. Men were served before me. Kind of men would move me out of the way, kind of use my hips or like just below my breasts and they touch my hair, comment on my clothes, um, kind of insinuating that what I was wearing wasn't appropriate to be there. Um, my friends experienced the same thing too. It's not just me. When I was with other women, men that had met them before said that they looked good and kind of thought that that was a space that they could say that. Um, and I didn't really know where to go. Um, there was nowhere saying, you know, if, if you need any help, come here. There's no desks. All the security guards were men. And as a woman that's been through trauma, it's a really difficult situation to be in because it's trauma at the hands of, unfortunately men often and I don't really want to go speak to someone about it I really didn't know where to go but camera have been fantastic since then um I wrote a, I wrote a um, thread on Twitter that kind of went semi-viral about everyday sexism at beer festivals because I mean I've been experienced this since I was like 12 or 13 as soon as I went started going through puberty men felt the need to comment on my body the need to comment on the way I sounded the way I looked um the shape of my breasts or the way I walked or kind of even how I ate and drank and 
I think it's continued now and I'm nearly 30 and, it, and it's exhausting. So I think to have a platform um, and an audience that is receptive to that and to have people like you listening, like your three men are on a podcast and for you to ask that question is a really big deal, um, especially to women like me. So yeah, I'm, I'm just hoping beer festivals will get better. I'm hoping that by chatting to me and working with people like me, it will get better. There's a lot of great movements set up as well to help people who are going through the same thing. You've um, interviewed some other people in some of your articles as well that have you know, shared experience, some of which are particularly harrowing, but are potentially not as bad as it gets because other people might not have come forward. Um and been able to express them and you know i'm thinking about like charlotte cook's experience and stuff which was a particular poignant moment in in an article that you wrote the sh- shared experience of it obviously doesn't make it any better but does it make it stronger at least give you the you know at least the impetus of just like hopefully we can make this better but at the same time people really <laughs> need to know what what is happening it's yeah definitely yeah. i think i like to see i like to call it like kind of microaggressions i don't know if you've kind of heard that term before but they're constant they're small small chips kind of imagine just chipping away a wall if you chip away it's small like small patches of it it's eventually going to fall down it's eventually going to break and crumble and be kind of damaged beyond repair and when i started talking about my experiences at beer festivals in general people and women were like oh, well, I didn't think that was bad. That happens to me. People call me love all the time. They move me out of the way. They ask me if I need help, even though I'm an industry professional. And I think to talk about it, and even though to say I wasn't sexually assaulted at Tamara's Beer Festival, I wasn't sexually assaulted at other festivals, nothing bad in quotation marks happened to me. But when these things keep happening to you, it it brings down your self-esteem and brings down your confidence. I started to think, why am I even doing this? People don't think I'm a serious professional. Um, but I think collectively, if we all start to talk about it and kind of make it a bit more normalised and educate people and open up the floor for people to ask questions, then hopefully it will get better. I am seeing signs of it getting better. Um, and lots of men in general and I guess even women who have experienced this have messaged me saying, I didn't realise this was a problem and kind of thank you for sharing that. And that makes it worthwhile. And yeah, there are some really harrowing experiences out there. Um they exist unfortunately for men and women and for kind of underrepresented communities in beer the lgbtq plus community in beer as well have lots of collective experiences when it comes to trauma in or out of the beer industry but i guess the more we talk about it and the more we make it not shameful the more progress we're going to make and that's kind of exactly why i do what i do it is really difficult i'm not saying it's easy it's difficult to kind of endure the stairs and the the, the kind of like true like heads and asking if I'm okay but it's worth it it's worth it in the end for me to be able to talk about it and to discover amazing people who are like yourselves who are willing to have a conversation and willing to educate people is really really worth it so you mentioned um that you are starting to see signs that things are getting a little bit better in terms of beer festivals can you point out um like specific ways in terms of how the organ organization as such events is changing that that is improving things in in general. There's definitely some changes that I'm seeing in beer festivals and in tap rooms and breweries in general. There's obviously the ask for Angela scheme that's set up. 
um, which is in pubs across the nation. I've seen it in lots of tap rooms as well. Some tap rooms have their own kind of version of that. Um, whether or whether or not it works, I'm not entirely sure on that. But there are some festivals, um, like the Leeds Beer Festival, it introduced the Wellness Officer Initiative, which was set up by the Coven. Um, it's a fantastic initiative. It is a group of people that train up individuals to be wellness officers and they educate said people on how to intervene when a situation looks uncomfortable when a situation looks like it could progress into something quite potentially traumatic or dangerous um their mental health first aiders as well and they're there for anyone just to have a chat just to have a conversation just to kind of escape for a wee bit and i'm seeing quite a lot more of that in general i'm seeing kind of volunteers coming in place as well just to have a chat um aren't necessarily male bouncers they're not they're not over overwhelming or scary to approach um yeah. and i've actually seen some festivals kind of introduce a mandatory kind of checklist for people to sign so before you go to festivals you have to basically pledge that you're going to be a respectful individual they basically detail sexism detail what is right and what isn't right and if you don't feel comfortable, this is who to go to. And I know Camera introducing that too, kind of up in their diversity and inclusion scheme. And it's amazing. It's really good to see. I think the language around women is changing as well um, in terms of baristas, uh, sorry, bartenders and people behind bar serving. They no longer kind of call you love or ask if you need any help. And that's brilliant. I think that's really good. It's a really good step. It's slow, but it's definitely changing. Um, and whether or not people kind of take that is is another question. We'll have to see when summer comes up and beer festivals kind of go ahead. Progress is extremely slow. Um, and I think women tend to notice it more. Um, because I guess we've been dealing with this, I guess, since I was a teenager, and a lot of work still needs to be done. That the beer industry is still extremely white. Um, it's still quite old-fashioned, it's quite archaic. It is still the double take when I walk into a room, especially with this accent. Uh, it is very London-centric, it is white pale male and stale that's how i've seen it described before um i've joined a camera group i'm the only woman there um i've brought the age down by about 50 years and they're <laughs> wonderful people but they're willing to listen to me and i think yeah. as men it's about recognizing your privilege too and to say this is a conversation this is a space that we can have a discussion and you've recognized the fact that in the past people have made mistakes but as long as men or happy and women for a fact as well. I've had some women comment on me in a derogatory way too. I think if you're willing to recognize your privilege and willing to kind of say to people, look, that that's not cool. That's all we want is for people to call out bad behavior, whether it is behind the bar or in front of the bar, it's calling out that behavior out and saying, look, this is why we need to educate ourselves and this is what needs to change. Um, and that only happens by having these conversations. There's like no point us if people didn't want to change and educate themselves, they wouldn't be listening, they wouldn't be having this conversation. I think the more that we have these and the more we make it open and normalised is only a good thing. Well, that brought me on to uh, the Brave Noise Beer that um, you wrote an article about the number of people that got involved in that was limited when it could have been much more. Um, yes. What do you, in terms of the importance of the brave noise bay and what what do you what impact do you think that could really make on the community or is making think, as well i think brave noise 
has the potential to make an incredible impact. Um, unfortunately, there's less than 15 breweries now. I think I've got that right. It's a, probably around 15 breweries now that have in the UK that have brewed a Brave Noise beer. In the US, there's way more. The figures are much, much higher. And Brave Noise was basically set up by Brienne Ellen in the States, who kind of asked one question to Instagram and said, kind of what sexism have you experienced in the industry? Tell me about it. And she was just met with hordes and hordes of people, um, LGBTQ plus people, women, everyone who had experienced sexism, harassment, discrimination. And it was massive. It was overwhelming. It was quite triggering and traumatizing. And it kind of traveled over to the UK as well, but it hasn't had as much of a kind of pickup over here, I think, because I think a lot of people still think it's quite an American thing. Um, but I brewed a Brave Noise beer with Merakai and there's be it was fantastic i got to talk to the people about the importance of it and it basically stands for promoting a discrimination and harassment free industry and i don't understand why people haven't picked it up more because you get a recipe you get social media assets and all you need to do is say that you're pledging to support a safer industry and you're donating a small percentage of your profits to a charity um and I guess it has been the cost of living crisis and staff shortages are still kind of raging on. But I think to show your allegiance as a brewery through a brave noise beer is massive. I've definitely chosen to drink at more breweries because I've seen that they're willing to make that change and willing to kind of talk freely about it being safer. And I guess a lot of breweries since Brave Noise have put their code of conduct online. And Bruce didn't have that before. Tap rooms didn't have that before. And that, mm -hmm. that's a really big deal to kind of have that conduct in place and to kind of have a, I guess, a safe space for people. But Brave Noise could have a massive impact if, I guess, more people listened to the sound of it and kind of asked more questions and weren't afraid to kind of approach people like me to ask about it more. But that article, I was approached by Pelicle magazine to write that. And yeah, it made me really sad that there's been such a small percentage of breweries in the UK who have picked it up. But I will keep calling it out until more people do. Um, and I'm not going to stop, unfortunately. And the, op the opportunity is still there for people to kind of brew Brave Noise beers. It doesn't have to just be Brave Noise as well. You can set up a code of conduct on your website or even put something on Twitter or Instagram to say, this is what we stand for. This kind of behavior is unacceptable. And then I think people respect you more. There's definitely some breweries I've unfollowed because of their associations with certain people or the way that they've treated such certain situations and it spreads like wildfire unfortunately people don't have a lot of money or a lot of time so they want to invest it in places where they see a real difference being made yeah it's interesting you say that there are a limited number of breweries that got involved anyway but then what was even more disappointing is that then a certain percentage of them had also been involved with a certain scottish brewery and their their collab fest which really just takes away a lot of what Brave Noise is about because obviously this brewery have been one that has been brought up countless times for misogyny and just bad treatment of people in, in, in general. So People like me in the industry, people like me who have been, ex who have experienced tra trauma, like 97% of women under the age of 24 have been sexually harassed or assaulted before they even reach adulthood and it is shocking and I think if you pledge your allegiance with breweries that don't represent those values or don't represent certain kind of thoughts and feelings you have or don't even kind of have 
your interests at heart, then I mean, why would you why would you buy it? Why would you buy that beer? People worry about beer being political. And I think, well, that's just sad because to me, I want to invest in something that has my interests at heart, someone that would kind of join the fight with me. And I've definitely noticed that breweries that have brewed a brave noise beer are willing to do that. They're willing to stand up for women like me, for underrepresented communities. It's not just the bloke that walks into a bar and picks up any pint and just goes, oh, it's just a pint. Like, that's it's not who I want to invest in. Um, and you got to choose carefully, I think, haven't you? You really do. And it's just about what you're willing to kind of stand up for. And I want to choose breweries that would care about me as a woman, that would care about, like, trans people, black people, everyone. Everyone in this industry that isn't represented on a major platform, they're the people I want to spend my money with because I know that they have my interests at heart. And it is sad that Brave Noise wasn't taken up, but other festivals have been. But, I mean, people like me are watching and we don't forgive very easily, unfortunately. I think the I think the flip side of what you're saying there, though, is when, when a brewery does commit and when they get involved, it's a massively positive thing as well. Because I think most recently, as we recall this past weekend, Elusive Brew have just released their Brave Noise beer. Now, I saw nothing but positivity all over social media uh, about the launch of that beer. And that goes right from the fact that they just launched it, but they also put the effort into writing a blog about it that explained why they was doing it to the launch events that there were to Mm -hmm. the people that were involved in brewing it. It's been nothing but positivity uh, about that, that beer. And that's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? Because that's got to say, look, actually, when breweries do it right, and I, I think Elusive is, is an example of a brewery doing it right, they do it really right, and it it has a it has a massive impact. Definitely, definitely, and I think the Elusive Brave Noise launch was everywhere. It was all of my Instagram feed, all over Twitter, and a lot of people had amazing things to say about it. I can't wait to try it, and I think it's about riding that. It's about riding that high and just saying right well they've got all this success and look at the fantastic kind of campaign they're kind of rooting for and talking to women in the industry and talking to people in the industry i know a women's brew were there and they're fantastic women they're doing so much to kind of raise the profile of beer and women in beer and i think other breweries kind of need to take notice because kind of that's not detrimental to their image or to their name at all if anything probably way more people know about elusive brew than they did last week because that has just, it's been so good for them, been so positive for them. I think breweries need to take note and just to ride on that high and just to continue to make solid changes. It's not just about brewing a beer, it's about kind of pledging allegiance to being a different, well, to making an impact in the industry. And yeah, I'm just very, I'm very sad I wasn't there, but it's a wee bit of a travel made in head from Edinburgh for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm very happy to spend £5 on a beer if it means that it's gone somewhere good and if it means that it's kind of been part of the bigger story and the bigger picture to talk about the industry being a safer place, I think it's not, it's not hard. It's not difficult, but people really, really appreciate it. I mean, I appreciate it as, as a woman and as a writer so much, I think to show that you've made the effort to write a code of conduct and to host um something as important as brave noise really it really makes a it really makes a difference I guess to kind of underrepresented parts of the industry you're not just here to talk about 
this side of the beer industry. So what 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 are some of the sides of the beer industry that you hope to write about in the future in a the uh slightly more positive maybe? Yeah, um slightly more positive. I always love writing about um female non-binary brewers, um um black brewers about lots of different kind of brewers outside of the kind of norm in quotations, I guess. It's about kind of rejecting kind of the years of standards that the industry's kind of set for itself and changing it, about making it more diverse, making it more inclusive. But I'm writing a piece at the minute about um, being a deaf beer drinker. So I've got mild nerve deafness, um, mild to severe hearing loss. And I'm writing a piece about how tap rooms and brewery spaces can be more inclusive to people like me. And it's about opening that conversation up again, about being positive um, and writing about these things that perhaps no one's really thought about before. So, for example, I was asking if there were any breweries that kind of had initiatives in place and people were like, oh, why do you need large print menus or why do you need QR codes? And it's like, well, because I can't hear at the bar. I can't hear when you describe a certain beer to me. And it's not just me. It's people who have other uh, disabilities as well. And it's always kind of like, in a space to have these good conversations and kind of not see them with any negativities i don't tend to write about beer trends because i like to be surprised um but i i, I just love writing about beer in general and i think everyone that i've spoken to has been so kind of so positive about it and always had some great conversations i made some great friends um from being in this industry what was the reaction like to that piece that you wrote about newcastle brown that that went out on Pellicle because that's a that's a fantastic piece of writing. I loved writing that piece for Pellicle magazine about Newcastle Brown Ale. I remember approaching Pellicle thinking, "This will this will never fly. This will never fly." Um, and I I remember thinking like when I first drank Newcastle Brown Ale, I was seventeen and I was dressed as a cowgirl on a night out, and I went into the local Weatherspoons that I used to go to. Don't don't cancel me. <laughs> Um, terminate, terminate the interview, terminate it. It's done. <laughs> done. Uh, that's it. But I remember seeing so many men drinking Newcastle Brown Ale and thinking, oh, I want to try that. And I tried it and it was horrible. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was it was just, it tasted like, it tasted like someone had put cigarette butts in water. It was awful. But I felt such an affinity with it. And ever since I left Newcastle at the age of 18 to move away to go to university, I kind of always liked to see Newcastle Brown Ale and bars because I felt like it was home. I felt like it was part of me. Um, I felt a real affinity with it, with with my hometown. But yes, I guess to write about that as a woman was massive for me as a Geordie as well. Um, to kind of say that I have the, I have an affinity with this drink, and it's usually a drink that was consumed by men, but consumed by minors. And I guess if anything, I want to prove that it doesn't matter what you've been brought up to think about a certain thing um i never saw any women drink a newcastle brown ale so at one point i thought oh i'm not the right person to write about this but the more i wrote about it, the more i realized that i had a passion for it and that i cared about it so deeply and that i wanted it to translate into my words and yeah i i was actually honored to write it and i think it's been one of my favorite pieces i was nominated for an award for that piece as well which kind of made it feel even more special as a woman to write about a drink that's been usually kind of um, paired with male miners and male drinkers felt that I was an expert on it of sorts when I kind of doubted myself at first 
but I guess my kind of I would say to anyone if you have an affinity with someone or with something or you have a passion for something it doesn't matter what everyone else thinks about it or kind of the perception of it from other people it's about kind of how you care about it and what you think about it and I I will still hate Newcastle brown ale it tastes vile they've removed the caramel from it now it's brewed in America it's not even brewed in Newcastle anymore um, which is a massive controversy but it means so much to me regardless of the fact that miners used to drink it because it's from my hometown and it's something that Newcastle are very very proud of I think all that comes through in that piece that you wrote about Nuki Brown. There's so much passion in there. And I really encourage our listeners that if they haven't read that to, to click in the links that we're going to put in the show notes to, to that piece in particular and to all of your work where they can go and they can they can read all the pieces that you've referenced throughout the discussion we've been having this evening. Uh, just in case that's too much trouble for some people, where can people go to find your work? So I've set up an Instagram page. It's at Be A Woman and the A is an X. Or I can be found on Twitter, and that's at M-E-E-H-W. Um, and I would just say, just kind of look on the Guild of Beer Writers' websites, um, look on Pelicle Magazine's website, look on Ferment Magazine's website to find a writing, like a range of writing from kind of people like me who are kind of shouting loud and proud about beer and about what we care about. I just kind of support your local words dealer is all I'm going to say. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to to chat with you and it's been really insightful as as, as well. And, and, and I hope our listeners get a, a lot from just listening to us talking to you. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been brilliant. I've been really enjoyed it. Thank you. Great to have Emmy join us there. Uh, and as always, there there is a much longer version of that interview available for our Patreon supporters. And as is now becoming tradition, also includes Mark going into a deep dive about Taylor Swift with our guest as well. So if you want to listen to that, you can join us for just one pound. There's a link in the show notes and, and you can listen to that longer version of the interview. But guys, I know when we recorded with Emmy, we really enjoyed the, the, the discussion that we had that, that evening. And, and I think that comes through and and the passion that 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 emmy has for um not just um brave noise but women's rights and um doing the right thing really came through that interview strongly didn't it yeah yeah like to, it was just so much fun talking to emmy which seems like a, a weird thing to say considering some of the the topics we uh discussed but as you say she just so passionate and just uh, loves beer and wants to speak loudly about it and and the industry and try and change things for the better. I think I was guilty as much as too many people in this industry beforehand. I was aware of the brave noise thing going on and, you know, had applauded it silently and, or, you know, maybe shared a few things on my Instagram story and was just like, that's enough. Yeah, I've done my bit now, almost like subconsciously. And it's when, and in a lot of ways, that's the point, really, that you, you actually, when you listen to someone, you're like, yeah, I'm just really, I'm I'm, I'm doing the bare minimum, you know, and the, the whole point of Brave Noise was about, it's about noise. It's, it's about being brave. 
It's a, well, what, yeah, that's it. It, it's about being loud about yeah. it. You know, what you said when we were introducing the beer before, Steve, that they introduced it to a bit of, and then you hesitated because you didn't want to use the word fanfare. But the point is, fanfare, aka noise, is what it's exactly about. Yeah. Um, and what when the breweries that get involved each has the chance to also share some stories and Ruth obviously wrote that excellent blog article to go along with the release for Elusive. It gives people the chance to share stories, which again, it needs to, unfortunately, but it does need to be reiterated again and again. So every brewery that gets involved can share stories from either people within the brewery or people they know within the industry that have not spoken yet. And we can make those voices louder. It can be talked about every time. And I really hope more people get involved in it. Yeah, the more, really the more we talk about these things as well, then more likely someone is going to feel empowered to just share, share, join in with the conversation as well. And there was a, there was a, there was a huge part in Ruth's article about the release of the beer, which certainly resonated with me and... I know that in a couple of points in the last couple of months, I've tried to live that. That is about, you know, brave noise is just also, you can't just be an ally by an ally by buying the beer, by just going, isn't this good? Here's a link to Ruth's article. It's by calling out the things that you see. And I know that, I've fallen out with a really good friend of mine within the last few weeks by challenging them on some horrible comments they said uh, directed at um, somebody that was working in a in, in a brewery that we were drinking in at the time. And, that, you know, it's cost me a friendship, but I don't mind because in terms of th- that... I don't want to sound like I'm trying to be a martyr or something. These are the things that you've got to say. These are the things that those articles are pleading with you to do is to call out the bullshit that the people around you are saying. And it's it might not be comfortable for you to do, but you have to do that. If, so, if somebody's saying something that's wrong, you can't just stick your head between the sand and just go... Oh, I wish he hadn't said that. When you get home, you say it there and then, and if they don't like it, well, you know. So that's what that's what the movement's about. We can all do better, and I hope that I'm doing better going forward. And I learned, I learned a lot from the interview and from all the subsequent things that have come out about Brave Noise, and I really hope it continues. And please, more breweries get involved. I think that was one of the things that came up in... Um... Oh, when was it? it? Was when we had Sophie on, wasn't it? That she was saying that it's it's disappointing that only a handful of breweries have got involved, and there aren't a lot of breweries that have got involved in in the Brave Noise movement or brewing the beer to to, to celebrate it. And I think just in this last week, as we recalled, I think Brew York have released one this week now, yes, as as, yeah. as well. So um, it's becoming. Uh, I, I think the awareness is growing again. Yeah, that's good. There's a couple of breweries that I've heard that it's in the pipeline, but um, yet to actually hear it on an official channel. So hopefully we are going to start seeing a lot more and hearing a lot more about about the the Brave Noise campaign. And also this Elusive Beer's 
gorgeous. So if nothing else, just buy, just buy and yourself and just buy yourself a nice. What is it? Four point four percent. Four point five. Drink in. Yeah. Four point five percent drinkable uh, pale ale. Absolutely, get that in your fridge. And and the thing that I noticed when I saw the brew York can this week, and 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 then I went back and looked at other releases that other breweries had done, is is that elusive have done that thing then where they've completely elusivified the can, <laughs> but it's still looks like the other cans so to speak oh so it's, it's great isn't it it's, it's completely eight bit um and mm. it's completely elusive but at the same time it's still brave noise absolutely you know breweries can i i, I wonder in in some ways if some breweries are afraid to get involved because of that i know it's daft that you know where, where will this fit in our on our shelf where does it fit in the some in some in some times I feel like I've heard breweries talk about who gets worried about the money involved in it and stuff, but it's oh, it's such a good cause. It's so fantastic. I think, and it's a pale ale. Come on, you can sell a pale ale. Damn right you can. Yeah, Abs- it's, absolutely. Yeah, it's not a milkshake stout. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, what we what we'll do is um we'll make sure that there's a link in the show notes to brave noise and the in, in particular the, the the blog that ruth wrote for elusive as well because it's really important that we we get that out there and we share that with you um rob i think there was something that you wanted to to mention in terms of one of the things that emmy's said in the interview um that you've, you've noticed something recently that, that that has come out as a result yes yeah, so one of the key talking points was we we, we talked with emmy about um, her personal experiences at the, um, I think it was last summer at the Great British Beer Festival. And and since then, just in time for the um, the GBBF uh, Winter Festival, Camera have um, released a new code of conduct and also um, made it easier um, to find information ab- about about their code of conduct and where to go to get assistance if you need it at the festival. And also they've made it easier on the website as well to to provide feedback on any way that can be better, but also to to make complaints. So it's just good to see someone, an, an organisation like Camera, just making themselves accountable and trying to, to improve things and listening to people and you know what you can't go too far wrong just by listening to people and again that just links back to brave noise you need to hear what people are saying and and just do better so we move things around for this show we wanted to do the brave noise beer alongside the interview because it was important to to link those two things together but we've not forgotten that there's a subject that we want to talk about reverberation This month, we're talking about social media and the beer community. So that's quite a wide subject matter that that, that we're getting into. I'm not really sure where we're going to start with this one. I can start. Go on, go on, Rob. You you, you dive in first then, mate. So I I think this topic came up because generally reverberations is about what is reverberating around on beer Twitter. And we've kind of felt like 
especially with like just algorithm changes to Twitter, that we weren't really seeing the same levels of engagement about anything, which we thought was kind of a topic in its in itself. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, Rob, because I I I truly feel like what whatever has happened to the algorithm has killed beer Twitter. I, I think from beer Twitter is dead as, as, as far as I'm concerned, because I'm seeing very little posts from the people that I regularly have engaged with in the past. And the flip side of that as well is when, when we released the show last month, there were a couple of listeners that always comment on, on the shows. They always make a comment. They always retweet. They always, you know, quote tweet. And it was about three weeks after the the show was released that I I saw the that that Johnny Beerboy had quote tweeted about the show, and and I'm like why and and I only saw that because somebody else had commented on it and I was like why aren't surely as the originator of that tweet I should have had a notification saying somebody has you know you you've been mentioned in this tweet and I don't know what's going on with the algorithm. But it, it just feels dead to me. Yeah, I, I've certainly had exactly the same experience, really. I like there's people that I know are prolifically tweeting about beer and the and the beer industry in general, and a lot of the subjects that we discuss from month to month. And I'm just seeing nothing, which kind of makes me think, how must you be feeling if you are a brewery who is facing tough economic challenges? And you just want to be able to just go on social media, which in in terms of uh, marketing channels and rate of investment, it's it's a very useful one to have. So when that's kind of been taken out of your hands, I wonder how breweries, especially smaller breweries, are um are handling this. People that are reliant on social media yeah. for for business, yeah, mm-hmm. any kind of business in the beer industry because I, I was only thinking this week i mean there's a there's a couple of things firstly like just beer events i i, I only really go into manchester now if, if either to go shopping that's by the by but for like beer events and it used to be every other like thursday or something it used to always be a thursday to be a, a, a tap takeover or some kind of like a, a, event at Cafe Beermoth or Port Street or something that I'd find myself heading in for, and I thought for like a while I thought I've not been in for ages because those events just aren't happening anymore. But they are happening. I'm just not seeing the tweets where they're promoting them in the first place for them to be happening, and therefore because I'm not seeing the promoted tweets, I'm not aware that the event's happening, and therefore I don't go to the event. So the knock-on effect is absolutely huge, and then the the other thing is stuff like it's on the time we're recording. It's indie beer feast in Sheffield this weekend. So by the time this episode comes out, that'll have passed. And I only found out that was happening literally like yesterday. I saw it today, and I thought. But I went last year based on tweets that were seen from breweries that were going. And then friends that I know were going, including like friends of the show, Gammon Baron and uh, Barrel Ace Leeds, who I've met there, um, 
and I was like, oh, I fancy that as well. So I went, I went last year, based on just things that I saw on Twitter, and it was out of my head. I didn't even realize it was happening until like yesterday when finally something popped up, and I was like, I, I follow the Indie Beer Feast account. I follow the Hop Hideout account who arrange it. And I, I follow a lot of people that are probably going and have not seen anything from it. And therefore, I'm not going to the festival itself because based on the fact that it, it was out of my head as well. It's, so, interest, it's interesting, sorry, some of the points that you have made about you've done things because you've seen it on Twitter, which really makes me think about some of the best experiences, not only in beer, but some of the best experiences I've had in my life have been through... Uh, other people sharing their experiences on this platform Twitter. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have been like going on holiday to Colorado or going to Chicago or anything like that. And um, yeah, well, it'd this, be interesting. This, this to... podcast wouldn't exist without Twitter. Yeah, precisely. No, we know each other not. through yeah. Twitter. We we got the community around it from the original um, Twitter community through um, opinions previously and. The beer o'clock show before that is completely right, and um, it's how we it's how we know each other. It's, it's, it's like, how we know each other. We're not yeah, we're not friends it's, before Twitter. We know each yeah. other. We're friends because of Twitter. I mean, we're, not, we're not natural friends, are we? We wouldn't we would never have met if no, it wasn't for we're different a, ages. A, a we're from platform, different yeah. parts of the country. I mean, listen to our accents. We're not sat in a room <laughs> together, are we? We're on Zoom. No, exactly. Twitter has brought us together as firstly as friends, and then as now as as a podcast, Mm -hmm. and then the greater community. As much as I've been taking the mick, but the people that I like as well that have been in like Nottingham and stuff, and that have been at previous things. You know, the people that listen to this show anyway. It's it's all based on a lot of so many of my friends and your friends and Steve's friends and everybody's friends here from twitter it's, it's such a it's been so fantastic bringing people together and yes it's, it's a, 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 a sad day when that gets taken away but as i say it actually is affecting people's businesses as well yeah. we, we, we can lament it in the same way that people lamented my space going down mm. from a friendship point of view mm. but in terms of the way this is affecting business i think it's bigger than I think people realise at the minute because, say, if people are not turning up to festivals because they don't even know they're happening, yeah, that's a huge that is huge for the smaller festivals. Yeah, things like Indie Man and stuff will still have no problem selling out. Um, but you know, some certainly somebody's trying to get a festival off the ground or something. It's it's enormous. It's it's a massive thing. It makes it makes a strong case for signing up to newsletters, doesn't it? So that you're yeah, getting information yeah. straight into your inbox. Because, like, like you say, yeah, from from a business point of view, what whatever's happened to that algorithm um, must be really impacting on on sales. But I, 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 what also makes me wonder is 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 people's usage of of the platform now i mean i as as we recall tonight on thursday i haven't tweeted anything for four days now now that's quite unusual for me normally i'm quite prolific on there but um, i've almost got to a point where i'm like well what's the point because i don't think anyone's seeing the things that i'm i'm think 
that seeing the things I'm tweeting. I'm, I think maybe a handful of people are, but yeah. en- engagement is so low on, on, on tweets that I'm putting out. Now, bear, bear in mind that, you, you know, I, I, I say I'm in a, a, a position that, that is quite fortunate, you know, that the, the account that is mine for promotional pod purposes for this podcast has 12 and a half thousand followers. How, how can you tell me that, tweets that we're putting out are being seen by so little people that they're getting no interaction whatsoever. Yeah, please, I mean, don't, I, please don't tell me I'm that boring <laughs> that, that, that people simply don't want to interact. I, I like talking to you, Steve, hence why I've ended up doing this with you. So, <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> right, Massage I, I, the ego a little bit there. I, I Thank like, you. you know what? My platform's smaller than that. I'm, like, I'm just a, a dude who says daft things, really. But a big thing, a big part of my day that I really look forward to is also some of daft. And then someone might enjoy that daft thing that I've said and then just just say some of daft back to me or even something sensible, maybe. And you know, I'm 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 really missing that. I'm just kind of I'm not enjoying Twitter so much now. I used I'm to not, just, I'm not enjoying it at all. I, used, I just used to just scroll down and I'd find things that would interest me. And now I just keep seeing tweets about Chicago Bulls losing, and that's just sad. Now, now, and I think I've said to you both in the chat that um, again, it becomes the it becomes the marker of things that as soon as people stop liking pictures of my dog, then I know Twitter's broken. Rather <laughs> yeah. than there's something wrong with my dog. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's just because they've, that because that's what I get the most engagement from and i'm like i don't care if somebody's not liked a picture of some beers that i've taken but if i put a nice picture of my dog up and it gets one like then i'm like something is wrong here yeah <laughs> but what the, the only the only thing i would say in terms of it twitter's always been our thing and so it's especially sad but this already happened to facebook years ago yeah I mean, Facebook is an absolute waste of space. It's just adverts I, I, now, isn't it? When yeah. when you yeah. scroll through your feed, it's just adverts. I I, I you know I, I go on there and I'll see something from my sister from like five days ago, and like, why has that only just come up today, but it didn't come up five days ago when she posted it? it doesn't make any sense. No. And Instagram went absolutely up the wall last year as well when the owners of Instagram. Who you see, that's the difference. We don't even know them by the name. I mean, some people obviously will, but I don't off the top of my head. Went all the world and did exactly exactly something similar where they focused on people that were trying to make money. And so suddenly people that were just posting a nice picture of a beer were getting a quarter, if that, of the engagement that they were previously getting because it was demoted, as it were. So... Unfortunately, Twitter's just doing what the other platforms have done and have done and still have survived and make loads of money from. Yeah, well, that's, it's just about money now, isn't it? You're going to see more and more sponsored stuff, but and we're going to lose. And that's why it's, I'm, no I'm, point I'm, fl- yeah. it's no point fleeing to another site because they'll just no, do the next thing same. after a bit. Yeah, I, 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 I would like to hear from listeners and just see if their experience of just uh, talking about... Beer specifically, and like the community around this uh, this alcoholic beverage that we're so keen on, 
how how has that changed for you, or 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 are you still enjoying it the same? Or are you still talking to people? Because for for me, I just feel a bit sad. I, I'm I'm kind of uh, missing my friends. Really, I'm like I used to be hearing from people like on a daily basis. Really, and it's just it's not the same. I, I think that's the thing, Rob. Actually, is is that you've you've nailed it there for me. Is that is that I'm missing seeing what my friends are doing. I, you know, I I don't get as many of the posts as I used to in my feed and anymore. You know, I have to go searching for pictures of Wilbur so I can like them. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't just come up in my feed anymore when they should do. Um, although there is annoyingly, Paul Donald seems to buck the trend and is always <laughs> in my fucking feed. He is. He's always he is everywhere. there. He's no, no algorithm there. can kill Paul Donald. Yeah, but um, but no, <laughs> it's, I'm I'm interested as 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 well to to, to hear from our listeners, and and I want to hear from our listeners in a number of ways. So use the hashtag uh, belonging. You can and we'll us, never see it. Yeah, and we'll, we'll never, never see it anyway because we'll we'll it. But we will hear as well. However, mm. we will hear you if you use Speakpipe to send mm. us a voicemail. Absolutely, <laughs> there's a link to that in the show notes. And also, I want to put a challenge out to our listeners this month. If you see the post promoting the show, can you just comment on that post just to let us know that you've seen it? Don't go looking for it, but I want I want to know if it's actually appearing in your timelines. I just I just want to know if if we're still getting the reach that that we used to get. Yeah, listeners, we love you and we want to hear from you. However, however, whichever way you reach us. Last round this month, then, guys. Uh, we have got beers that we would normally find at the back of the shelves, although the back of my shelf is looking rather empty at the moment. So I'm kind of filling that with beers that I'm currently buying from bottle shops and drinking them in this part of the show. I'm not sure about you two. I'm going to lead off this month, and I've got a beer from Artifact Brewing. They are a microbrewery just outside of Bury St. Edmunds here in East Anglia. They were co-founded by Kat and James, who started part-time brewing in May 2020. Now, that was obviously right in the middle of lockdown. And they went full-time in April 2022. So, obviously, lockdown was a bit of a success for them to, to launch a brewery um, largely 330 mil bottles uh, at the moment. And I have got a beer called finally an ESB, which is a 5.6% ESB as, as you would imagine, but it's brewed with all English hops and they've gone for a combination of old and new in this. So they've gone for first gold, Bramling cross and then Harlequin. So I'm looking forward to what this must taste like, actually. It's like a mini Fuller's Vintage Owl in, in terms of what it tastes like. Um, I don't I don't think it would, would age anywhere near as well as the Vintage Owls do, but it's it's kind of got that um, woody, woody hedge, hedgerow flavours about it. Um, it's, it's fruity, but it's, it's really, really bitter. Uh, at the end and it's it's quite well balanced actually it's uh it's, it's not a bad not a bad little beer at all mark nice. what what are you on this month <clears throat> i have gone 
for a beer slash mead slash several things hybrid. It's a well, it's a, a braggart, which is a type of honey beer that was once prevalent um, across. I was going to say medieval England, but somebody will pull me up on that. So across England a long time ago, um, they're called uh, DMC Brewery, which is a husband and wife team. Um, slightly confusing that they uh, can say Leeds. They're part of Google says Morley, which is just outside of Leeds, and um their facebook says that they're in wakefield which is a completely different city to leeds either way they're in west yorkshire um they specialize in alcoholic ginger beers actually um which i I believe they're the only people in the uk to be claiming to do specializing in it anyway uh but braga is a similar to mead but it's um, basically basic honey-based beer. This is an Imperial Braggart, which is 10%, which I have had it in my stash for, um, well, less than a year, but certainly a while wondering when I'm going to have it, which I am having now. And, I mean, it's, it is just a strong honey beer. I suppose that's all you could sort of say about it but there's not really a reference point to that it's it's sweet but not sickly so similar to what we were talking about before um you know with the maple beer that i had earlier that you know obviously that would give a sweetness to a beer not in a, a sickly scent but because braggarts don't have hops or hops in they don't have hops basically that's that's the main thing about braggarts they don't have hops in um there's not a lot else going on it's just a strong sweet beer but it's not mead and that is the big that is the big thing i I like mead i don't i don't don't have an awful lot about it i like sweet things i like dessert wine i like things um Mead is something completely different to what this is, but I don't know how to describe it. It's just sweet barley water, basically. But it's not unpleasant. But I don't know if I'd have it again at the same time. So that this that's a that's an imperial braggart for you. <laughs> it's an, I, exper- I, an experience worth having. Yeah, it is because. Yeah. It's a bit one-dimensional. I suppose that's what I'm looking trying to trying to say. Is you you have the first few sips and you're like, oh, that's interesting, and then it doesn't get any more interesting than that. (laughs) You know, you you think about a ten percent beer has you you waiting for it to warm in the glass. It's going to have something else to it. It's just sweet barley water, and okay, it's done. And I could probably drink it too quick for a ten percent beer, but I'm also not interested enough in it to drink it that quickly. So, but I, 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 like, I like the fact that they're trying different things. I do like that. I've got to say that in 10 years of doing different variations of this podcast, it's probably the first time that we've ever featured a braggart on, on the show. Um, so oh. well, well done, Mark, for, for finding, for finding <laughs> probably the one style <laughs> 
that yeah. in in all of those years we've never featured before. Who else but Mark Johnson? <laughs> Cementing his place in in the history of this podcast. That absolutely, but I, I hope my absolute waffle did it justice. Anyway, it's, so. no, it's I, I I wonder if your waffle is simply because you you can't find the words to describe what it is that you're drinking. That oh, is, it, it can I'm... always find words. <laughs> Yeah, but I'll just write them three weeks later. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> expect a four thousand word blog post about them in in a, in a week's time. <laughs> when beer was invented. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Rob, what are you having, mate? I've actually uh, changed my mind at last minute based on an earlier discussion about burnt mill. So I am drinking a burnt mill beer, but it is a burnt mill New England style beer. So I've got a can of Dew Point, which is their Citra. Mosaic and Chinook New England IPA. And you know what? I've kind of stayed away from New England beers for a, for a few years now because there's just so many of them. And so many of them are kind of rubbish. Miss, missing the mark. Like I, a few years ago, I loved the New England IPA because kind of the only examples I'd had were actual East Coast American beers, which were just very different to the West, obviously. They had that bigger fruity, fruity um, kind of flavour uh, character to them. And they had a different sort of malt bill, so it's a lot softer. And you know what? This is Brew Boy Burnt Mill, and it reminds me of those beers that I got really excited about a few years ago before I decided I hated New England IPA because there's too much Chinese whispers brewing going on. And this is really nice. It's like there's loads of mango, but there's just that nice bitterness that's backing it up as well. And there's no, it, it's not. It hasn't got like a weird onion thing going on or anything. So, it reinforces what I was saying earlier about yeah, Burnt Mill. Burnt yeah. Mill do New England IPAs exactly how they should be properly. As well, as, yeah. You, you know what? I'm not. I'm not a fan of the style, but I'm sitting here looking at the the, the glass in Rob's hand. And it's making me thirsty for one. I, I, I want, I want to try that beer that Rob's drinking right now. It's, I mean, it looks, it's thick and murky and juicy and all the rest of it. But it's, it's like it drinking looks a, delicious. It's like drinking a delicious mango pillow. It's like I, I think that the came a point where people were just obsessed with the idea of just making a murky beer. So they were just doing everything they could to make it look a certain way, rather than just making it nice. <laughs> Whereas this, this is what it's like: um, ex- extra pale malt and um, and flaked oats. Thing is, you might just... laugh there, Rob, but I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. That's absolutely true. Yeah, it, it, people are more concerned with making it look like they thought. Oh, the current trend is for it to look like. Well, I, I'm seeing exactly what Steve's seen. Yeah. Looking at that in your glass, actually thinking that actually looks quite tempting, because. Um, the problem was the whole thing about Merck soup getting a bit of a, a bad rap is that people cared more about how that it looked like that rather than what it tasted like. Yeah, but I'll and tell whereas you what... the breweries that were good at brewing that style, Burnt Mill being one of them, yeah, the the look of it was just a byproduct of the good beer that was inside. So. Of course, it's gonna. I think anyone can make a murky beer, but like obviously, that you guys can see this the the condition of it 
and you're just looking on a webcam, but you can just see that like that fluffy head on the top of that. It's a, it's it's quite a sight to behold, and it it's it's delicious. It's like oh, I like mango. Why wouldn't I want to drink a two thirds of a mango bitter beer? It's very nice. That's why it goes back to the original style being so popular in the first place. I mean, yeah. you know, that's the thing that. The 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 reason the style was popular and that people go went, went mad for the alchemist beers was because they were very because they were simply very very nice beers they very accessible to people who were just uh, perhaps didn't know they liked beer and then all of a sudden they were trying this and so like, okay there's a lot more going on that I'm used to compared to the the pale lager or just like twiggy brown beer you've been introduced to. I'll say, I, I, you, I, I can th- I can think back over the last few years when you'd speak to brewers and be like, yeah, so I've got to put oats in it because it's got to look a certain way. I'm like, perfect the recipe first. Don't worry about what yeah, it needs yeah. to look like. But it was, they were going off aesthetics for a while. That was the b- bad ones, and there was plenty of good ones available. And then so. you get the really bad ones that come after that are kind of just like basing their beers on beers that are just made to look a certain way. So nothing, something's not going to taste good when it's based on a beer that was made to look a certain way. Hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely right, Rob. So yeah, you, you, you definitely know made me want to go out and search out that beer at the weekend, though. For, I'm feeling, for, for I'm, myself. I'm feeling very nostalgic drinking this because a good few years ago, I would have been so excited about these beers coming out, and then loads and loads of them came out, and then they weren't this beer anymore. They were this weird pond water looking thing well i'll tell you what if, if last month got people ordering from colonel i hope this month gets people ordering from burnt mill yeah but, but also any brewery that's involved in brave noise as well while you enjoy that rob let's go into the last part of this month's show it's the end of this belonging show which has become kind of an any other business section so things that we haven't yet covered off that we want to cover off in in this part of the show so in true meeting tradition let's go around the table and see if anybody has any other business that they'd like to talk about rob is there anything else that you'd like to discuss this month yeah it kind of harks back to um the discussion that we had on the last show actually where we talked about it was just it was cool to see all the excitement around the release, the annual release of Putty from Verdant. And now they have um, they've chucked out their... So that was the double IPA. Now they've thrown out the triple IPA version of that. And bearing in mind what we discussed about Twitter earlier, there just doesn't seem to be the same fanfare about that. And I wonder whether people aren't quite as interested in a triple IPA. I mean, is it a step too too far? Is it too much of a stunt? It's interesting because I, I saw I saw I saw one online shop today which I would have thought would have sold out like on the day or certainly with within hours, but certainly within the day, um postings today going, we've still got plenty of tea as it's called um left on the web shop and i thought yeah the 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 struggling the struggling to sell out of it whereas i think normal putty was selling out very very quickly 
I suppose that's it's also it's the difference between what eight or nine pound a can, which is still a lot of money to spend on, on a can of beer unless you really want it, to between eleven and thirteen quid a can. Mm. That's well, I was gonna say I've not actually checked is that what the price is? I've not actually looked at that's that's not... what it's that's what it's landed oh, at. Yeah, I think the oh, lowest I've seen now. yeah, the lowest I've seen was eleven pounds something. I think a, a shop in my neck of the woods was twelve quid. And this is in the Midlands. It's not an expensive place to live. What can you get out of a triple IPA that you can't have in a nice double IPA or even just an IPA? You know, to, these days, I just want to drink pints of things. If I can't drink a pint of it, I'd just kind of like, uh, do, do I need that? Well, I, I think it's an interesting point that you made at the outset there, Rob, in terms of, you know, is is it again the social media algorithms that, that that have impacted on it. But I, I commented last month that I, I, I thought on the whole, the putty release had received a very positive welcome on, on Twitter. And Mark countered that by saying it was kind of the opposite a little bit on Instagram. But from what I've seen again on Twitter in terms of the, the, the triple putty release, nobody seemed to get excited about it apart from a very small handful of people. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I'll put it this way. I just, I just think triple IPA is just showing off. <laughs> it's just unnecessary. I think <laughs> I, 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 I think I probably thought different until you told me the price. And now I do think back to the early days of, and and obviously inflation prices change. But I think like, you know. Unhuman Cannonball is obviously the classic example of a triple IPA causing a lot of ex- excitement, but it was in 660 mil big bottles, fancy bottles. They were almost like collector's items. That's for sharing. 660 mil, 11% triple IPA of, and it was the most exciting beer you could get. And... Someone can tell me I'm wrong, but I don't think that was ever more than eleven quid. No, no, it was in in the early days. I I think it. I, I honestly think the first couple of releases might have been less than a tenner. Uh, well, I was going to say nine quid. So yeah, I'm being I'm being generous by saying eleven quid. Yeah. I I, th- I remember buying Unhuman Cannonball for nine quid. Definitely in, in that big bottle. Like, like, yeah. like you're saying, and, and and I know inflation and stuff has happened and things have changed. So I'm not, and I think a 440 mil can of a triple IPA is not going to get me excited in 2023 to spend 11, 12 quid. I had no idea it was that expensive. That is no, no, I'm not going to criticize, I'm not going to criticize anyone that's done it. No, and, no, of course I, I, and not. It's, not, it's just not for me, and it's also not even a I don't even, in some ways, want to really focus on the price. But if it, I, 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 I agree with where we're all going, that I've gone within the four weeks from the time we recorded the last podcast when we said Putty being an exciting release thing is so good for the industry, to this just being like, really? Oh, really? Was why, it needed? Why, why that's we do, that's we, the we, question, isn't it? I mean, was, was it? Did they need to release a triple version of it. No, it feels it, now now so. it feels like a cash grab. It does. Yeah. Like at least bring it out at the same time, really, maybe. At, at, at the same time as, as the, the double IPA putty. But yeah, uh, I'd 
I'm just against triple IPAs, to be honest. I just think it's too much. And if I'm going to drink a beer, that's shrimp. I want a nice warming barley wine or an imperial stout. Thanks, thanks for that, Rob. Mark, anything you'd like to add this month? Well, I just want to say that the day after this episode goes out, it's International Women's Day, eighth uh, of March, another date for everybody's diaries. Um, on the on the podcast this e- evening, we've actually tried to keep the beers for. Uh, beers that are either brewed by women or that women are heavily involved in the breweries themselves and it's been an absolute pleasure things like the brave noise initiative we talked about today keep making positive changes to the industry so keep supporting initiatives like that we will see the international women's day beer collaborations going on if you can get involved in some of the events or buy the beers as they're going on then please do. And I hope that we can keep making a positive change in the beer industry. Make sure to check the show notes because we're going to include links to information about Brave Noise and how you can get involved and support that. We're also going to include links to International Women's Day and what you can do to support that as well. As Mark said, keep your eye on Twitter because there are lots of International Women's Day events that are going on as as well. Beers that are either being brewed on the day or have been brewed for the day. There's loads of events going on. And if that Twitter algorithm is working well for you, you're going to see those events coming up. Make sure you go along and support where you can. That brings us to the end of this episode. Follow me on Twitter at Beer O'Clock Show for all the latest updates on the show and what I'm up to. Mark, where can listeners find you? We can find me at Mark N. Johnson on Twitter or beercomplication.co.uk for my blog. And uh, you can find me, uh, Rob underscore Edwards90 on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and maybe something else as well. Although none of that matters right now because you're not seeing any of our posts because the whole thing's fucked. <laughs> but remember, you can use the hashtag a beer longing or check the check in the show notes for a link to our SpeakPipe voicemail um, to leave us a voice voice message for future shows. There's also going to be a link in the show notes to the Patreon. Chuck us a quid, get involved and listen to Mark uh, exploring his Taylor Swift and beer podcast dream which is slowly becoming a reality (laughs) over there thanks for joining us for another episode of belonging we hope you've enjoyed the show and we look forward to hearing your thoughts on the things we've been chatting about cheers cheers So, welcome to Belonging. This is your... <laughs> oh, you should have just gone. You should have, you should have just carried on, Mark. I've, 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 not, I've not got the southern accent for it. I've not oh. got the panache. Does it need a southern accent, does it? It does. I... Welcome to Belonging, you fucking mag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he up on spares. That's my... Uh... <laughs> Oh, oh what sunshine! That's going to be the after credits, isn't it? My <laughs> terrible <laughs> Cockney accent. <laughs>